Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Coaching Call podcast. On this podcast, we'll cover various types of coaching by trainers in sports, martial arts, fitness, and business. We'll discuss each coach's methods to getting the most out of their respective athletes or clients and how they attempt to change the platform in which they coach. Join us on a fun adventure as we discuss unique coaching styles. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Raphael, and his guests on this unique journey in coaching. Hi, I'm Sifu Raphael, and this is the Coaching Call Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. Welcome to Coaching Call. Thank you so much for joining me. Unfortunately, my guest did not show up. So showing up, that's part of the game, isn't it? By the way, I always, always give someone a second chance. And wait a minute. I think, I think he is just coming on. So I'm so glad. Chancellor, you hey. showed up, my friend. What's going on? I thought you. I thought it was going to be a second time. Nah, How are you nah, doing nah. today? Hey, man, I can't complain. Every day is a great day. The choice is ours. So that's how I like to look at things. That is the choice, right? What we do with our days makes a difference in our lives, doesn't it? Facts. Facts. Yeah. So talk to me about who you are. Yeah. How? And I know you put on your title there, author. But you're way more than that. Yeah, for right? sure. <laughs> First of all, I can't type everything in. You know? <laughs> but this is this is why we're getting into it, right? And, and I was talking earlier, just a second before you came on, that I always give somebody a second chance because for me, we don't know what someone is going through, what has happened in their lives. So it's always a good idea to find out first before we judge, right? Thanks. Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to know who Chancellor was. Uh, what did they call you as a child? Did you have a nickname? Did people, one, one of the things that people always try to do is shorten their names. And I love <laughs> full names. So uh, I don't know if people call you Chance, if people call you different nicknames. Yeah. Um, you know, so tell me about that. Yeah, so um, growing up, my family is really bad at remembering people's names. So uh -oh. like, <laughs> like, my, like the women in my family, my aunties, grandmas, really don't. They'll run through every male in the family mm. before, like they'll call out every male in the family's name before they actually get to mine. You know what I'm saying? So I'll just That's be sitting funny. there waiting for them to <laughs> get to my name before they finally <laughs> get it right. But so it's like we, we big on nicknames. You know what I'm saying? Mm. We'll just give you a nickname that way. You ain't got to sit here and try to think and remember. It's like, okay, we already got something that we call you. You know what I'm saying? It's, of course, it's going to be symbolic to you. It ain't just like, right, right, right. Ain't like no, it's going to be something that represents you, rather physical traits or just, you know what I'm saying, your behavioral traits. Like, it's going to be something geared towards you in that form or facet. So, right, um, right. we big on nicknames. So, yeah, I had a lot of nicknames growing up. My biggest <laughs> one is Chance, though. Everybody calls me Chance for short. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Some people call me Chancellor. You know what I'm saying? Some people call me Chance, whatever. They feel whatever floats their boat. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm more than likely gonna give you a nickname. So I'm gonna call you something, you know what I'm saying? Other than because I don't really like calling people by their real names. Like I ain't your mama, I ain't your, you know what I'm saying? I, mm. 
we partners, we cool. So I'm gonna give you something I feel like is you know what I'm saying, uh, more of a vibe. You know what I'm saying that you you will like you will enjoy too. You know what I'm saying you'll probably become your your legit name when it's all said and done. I done gave yeah. some good nicknames out, and now everybody calls them <laughs> by that nickname I gave. Them, you know what I'm saying? Really, well, that's yeah. cool. But you know when we think about a name, right? There had to be a reason why your parents named you Chancellor. For sure. For sure. I'd, I'd love to hear it. Do you know um, it? Yeah, she uh she got Chancellor from um <laughs> this soap opera called The Young and the Restless. I don't know ah, if you're with it. So I yes. guess a character on there named Chancellor, she heard it. Because her name is Christine. So uh, she liked the C-H-R. Or like the C-H. So she's like, okay, Chancellor, right. I like that. You know what I'm saying? And my brother's name is Chauncey. So yeah, Christine, Chancellor, Chauncey. I uh, got that CH in it. And uh, Corlay, um, that's my middle name, Corlay. She got that from somebody she had knew back in the day. His name was Corlay. And um, she heard it. She, I love the name. What does it mean? It means, stands for the core, the bare essence. Mm. Uh, so she's Chancellor Corlay. And then my pop's last name is Jackson. So you already know Chancellor is a prime minister or leader of some. Right, right. organization. Then you got Corlay, the core, the bare essence, and then we all we know a bunch of great Jacksons. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, uh, one thing, and I want to get definitely into your childhood. You know, growing up and all that, but I am seeing a, a whiteboard behind you. Oh yeah. How important is that to you? Um, really, I'm. A- I'm I'm on vacation in Orlando right now, so I'm at my uh, former teammate's crib. So this is his whiteboard. It's like his little office area. So, uh, but I got, got a whiteboard at my house. But on my whiteboard, it's a vision board. I turned got it into it. a vision board, so I got all my goals and you know what I'm saying stuff like that that I want to accomplish in a year on it. Mm. And and so, how often do you uh, scribble on on your vision board, or do you change because things have changed in your life? I'll just cross it off the list, you know what I'm saying? And if I come up with a new goal, then, you know what I'm saying, I'll sit down and rearrange it or, you know what I'm saying, make erase that old one since I already crossed it off and, you know what I'm saying, put the new one down. But That's I like important. to see what me what I'm accomplishing, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, throughout the course of the year. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that that's important, I, I, and I love that. You know, anybody who has a, a vision board or, or a whiteboard where – because we have a chance every day – to erase our mistakes, right? Or even like jot down what we've accomplished. And and I love that. You know, it's a great concept. Oh, me. It got to. <laughs> it got to manifestation <laughs> at its finest. That's it. That's it. So tell us about your favorite time when you were a child. What would what do you what do you remember? What's one of that those moments that you go, man? Man, playing football. Yeah. Yeah, we ain't start playing organized football to like, at least my, me and my brother, we ain't start playing to eighth grade. And eighth grade for me, seventh grade for him. So mm. we 13, 12, 11 years old. We late to the game for real, for real, especially going up in Georgia. Folks right, been right. playing football since they was knee high to a bullfrog, four, five yeah. years old. So um, <laughs> only form of football we could play was just like at the park, just pick up games, throw them up, mm. bust them up, or pick teams or whatever like that. Um, so we played a lot of countless, countless games of football. Like, Got folks coming from different neighborhoods to play against us, all of that. You know what I'm saying? We was competing for real, for real. And we was extremely athletic, you know what I'm saying, folks that yeah. did not play football. Um, so it, we, that was just something that we always did. And then once we started playing football, of course, it just increased even more. 
Um, so man, we spent a lot of, a lot of hours at that park at different on different fields. You know what I'm saying? Just perfecting our craft, working on our craft, and you know what I'm saying we both was able to play at the collegiate level. So you know what wow. I'm saying? It, it, played, it paid off <laughs> for sure. It, it did. It did. What what position did you play? Defensive back. So I oh, played nice. corner, safety, free safety, and strong safety, and. Outside on the island and in, in the nickel corner, you know what I'm saying? I, I always played in the back end in the secondary. That's gotcha. all the position I played my entire career. <laughs> oh wow, cool. True, cool. true DB for sure. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So w- when we think about um, strategy, right? And, and football, there definitely has to be strategy. Why you you're put in a certain position because of of your abilities, right? Thanks. That's yeah. very strategic. It's a very strategic game, um, especially with me coaching football now. Um, just learning more and more about the game and the depths of it, and especially from a defensive standpoint, just the do's and don'ts. You know what I'm saying? And um, just certain rules like that only like really apply when you have you're dependent upon other people to fill out the uh, carry out the mission. You know what I'm saying? It ain't that's like right. you're playing a video game. You can control every single thing that's going on. Nah. <laughs> y'all done watched film all week. Y'all done came up with this game plan. Y'all done practiced this game plan. And now <laughs> it's time to put it out there on the show. But as humans, mistakes are going to happen. Oh, yeah. They make mistakes in the league. You know what I'm saying? It happens. So um, it's never going to be a perfect game. So it's just, you know what I'm saying? Just just having faith and trust that everybody will carry out their assignment every single play. You know what I'm saying? If we can do that, if all 11 people can do their job every single play. How can we lose? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It takes yeah, one yeah. person not doing their job. They can bust a whole play. Now, you know, six points on the board or it's this huge, big play. You right. know what I'm saying? Just because of one individual. So um, it's definitely just it's taught me how to just to manage um, situations. You know what I'm saying? Especially dealing with working with other people. Dealing mm. with other people. You know what I'm saying? Everything ain't going to go as planned and like you're relying on other people. So just being the ultimate team player for real, for real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That you're, the man next to you going to carry out their assignment and they depending on you to carry out your assignment. Um, and if somebody doesn't do what they're supposed to do, hold each other accountable. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's very interesting that you have a whiteboard behind you because – a lot of coaches do use a whiteboard to say, hey, this is where we were. This is how we're doing. Let's try this play out. And a lot of times it's drawn out on a board so mm-hmm. people can get that vision, right? So, the, and I love the whiteboard because it does help you see things. It also it helps other people see things. Maybe you have a vision, but someone else is not clear as to what your vision is. So a coach like yourself, you're being a coach now, you have a vision of what you want your team to do. But if you don't portray that vision to them correctly, you can say it and they all go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but then all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, do you understand that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you go, okay, what do I mean? And then either they have to replay it back to you or you say, well, let me show you. And then that's where the board comes in and you start drawing it up. They're like, oh, now I get it. So it makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Oh, even especially nowadays, because kids' attention spans are a whole lot shorter. Um, they got a lot 
more learning disabilities now. So it's it's more than just drawing it on the board. That's mm. X's and O's. A lot of them don't even know what that is. That's you speaking. I might as well be up there writing in Russian. <laughs> That's the case. Uh, yeah. Yes, but some of them. So it's like they need the board. We got to talk through it. We got to walk through it. You know what I'm saying? For real, for real, like a thousand reps. No cap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, beat it to yeah, the yeah. head. Yeah, because like you said, the attention span is so different mm -hmm. than maybe even when you were 12 and 13, you know, running around with your brother. Tell me who influenced you the most around that time. Um, 12 and 13 years old. I say, I say, Probably just the community, for real, for real. Because um, mm. especially once you hit middle school, that's when people start to, kids start to, you know what I'm saying, expand and explore different uh, endeavors and different uh, activities, just tr really right. trying to find themselves. You know what I'm saying? Elementary yeah. school, everybody is innocent and is themselves. Then we get to middle school, and now it's this whole shift. <laughs> this whole uh, yeah. shift, everybody starts to, you know what I'm saying, step outside of themselves a little bit more, you know what I'm saying, or become, step, you know what I'm saying, step into themselves even more. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So uh, everything, things change when you get to middle school. You know what I'm saying? You're just exposed to a whole lot more. Um, so for me, it was just really the community, you know what I'm saying? Me being, still having backbone and having uh, uh, core values, you know what I'm saying? I still have stuff that I'm standing on for sure. Right. But also, I definitely want to be more sociable, you know what I'm saying? I want people to know me. I right. definitely want to get more familiar with the ladies, you know what I'm saying? All of that. Gotcha. So gotcha. Definitely, um, you know what I'm saying? The community. I still was like, my grades still come first because my goal is to play college football at one day. So, I can't be shucking and jiving in the classroom and outside the classroom. This is a goal that I want to accomplish. So I always make sure that goal, I mean, my grades was always intact. Um, Behavior is always good, for real, for real. Face card is everything. So mm, um, that will help, help open a lot of doors for you. <laughs> you know what I'm nice. saying? You got a good face card, for real. Um, so I say, yeah, just, you know what I'm saying, the community. But, I, man, really just – one having goals and aspirations at a very young age and being determined to fulfill them. That was, you know what I'm saying? What kept me going and kept me on the, the straight path for real, for real. Nice. Nice. So you did talk just a minute ago about core values. Mm -hmm. We, those are learned. Yeah. Who taught you your core values? Man, it's natural for real, for real. I remember, um, before fourth grade, third from kindergarten to third grade, I was bad as hell, <laughs> like <laughs> bad as hell. Um, just just being defiant and mm. you know, just really just being defiant. It really wasn't like I was fighting or nothing. Right. Like just being defiant, not listening, doing what I wanted to do, um, and really wasn't taking school serious. I was always smart though. That's that was the thing. So mm. it just was boring to me. So of course I'm cutting up. I'm acting out and. It wasn't until the summer going until my fourth grade year, I was watching a show on Nickelodeon called Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. So mm. pretty much the show was giving kids a blueprint on how to, you know what I'm saying, go about managing school and, you know what I'm saying, surviving school. And it's really just being organized. It's really, it was always just teaching organizations, <laughs> strategies and skills 
just to, you know what I'm saying, to, to make school a little bit more of a breeze. I'm like, okay, they're giving us some real game. So I'm going to take what I done learned from this show and I'm going to apply it. In fourth grade, I applied what I learned from the show and it was a complete 180. I'm on the roll, you know what I'm saying, perfect attendance. You know what I'm saying? In the fifth grade, I'm the class president. Like, it, I done hit a complete 180 all within a year just from watching the show. Um, what was the name of the show again? Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. It's on Netflix now. For real. Really? You want to tap in with it. But yeah, that show definitely changed the game for me. Um, and it was from that point on, I always took school seriously. Because I'm like, well, really, bro, the school is not hard. <laughs> it's no. not hard, but you show up. That's that's half of the battle, and then just pay attention. Listen, at what the teacher asks you to do, do it. All we're doing is pretty much worksheets and stuff like that. It ain't nothing like we're doing anything crazy. Right. <laughs> All yeah. you gotta do is just do it, and that's it for real. For real, and you know what I'm saying just behave yourself, be respectful. Oh uh, man, you're gonna earn a lot more privileges. You know, what I'm saying. Uh, your teacher's going to look out for you if you do find yourself in a situation where you need some help. You know what I'm saying? They're going to be more than willing to help you out just because. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that carried over all the way and all throughout middle school. And then once I started playing football, oh, man, it just it definitely skyrocketed after that because now I'm like, okay, I really want to play college football. So I really got to be on my P's and Q's, make sure my T's crossing my I's dotted. For real. Yeah. For real. yeah. So you got to college you're playing college football were your aspirations to become a professional player yeah yeah that was part of the goal uh and uh high school and middle school and stuff everybody every kid's dream i feel of like course. is to play at the top top level for sure but it, once you get to college that's when you realize if that's going to be the case in the long run or not. You know what I'm saying? You learn that very, very fast just because it's more it's more of a business, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. the level, especially Division One collegiate level. So, right. um, And I faced a lot of politics and adversity uh, within my football career, especially in high school. Well, really, from the time I started to, you know what I'm saying, it was all said and done. Um, it wasn't like it was all peaches and cream. I wasn't the best player on the team. I didn't have any offers or interests or scouts or looks, you know what I'm saying, by the mm-hmm. end of my senior year of high school. I wanted to, I had great, great grades, you know what I'm saying, pretty good film. Um, everything else, was, you know what I'm saying, was I just need somebody that's willing to give me a green light. You know what I'm saying? Right. My coaches really weren't marketing us or pushing us like that, you know what I'm saying, to mm. colleges. So if I ain't take it upon myself, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have played college mm. football. So I took I took the initiative to, you know what I'm saying, reach out to schools. I got a whole list of schools from D1AA all the way down to NAIA. I don't have to go JUCO because my grades are good. I don't have to take that route. Um, right. I can find some place to play. I just got to put myself out there. So I'm emailing coaches. I'm DMing coaches on Inst- I mean, on Facebook, on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing all the reaching out, applying to schools, getting accepted, and reaching out to the coaches. Um, and I did this process for about three, four months. And then I finally found, once I, you know what I'm saying, I applied to Stetson in January. It got accepted. Um, I reached out to the coaches. And for my spring break, I was going down there uh, for an academic visit, you know what I'm saying, um, earn more scholarship money. So I was hit the coaches up like, hey, bro, I got accepted to school, got all these scholarships, I'm going to be down there on an <laughs> academic visit. I love to sit down with y'all, chop it up, woo, woo, woo. And they set it up. We did that. And I get back <laughs> to Atlanta. A few days pass. And then my partner, one of my friends, he takes me a screenshot like, hey, bro, you on Stetson's roster. So I go to the like, yeah, and lo and behold, there I was <laughs> on the wow. roster. Like, hey, 
damn, that's crazy. We done, we, hey, but we finna play D1 football. That's awesome. Awesome. You know what I'm saying? But we got our foot in the door. The grind is just not finna begin, though. Of course. We're pretty much a preferred walk-on. You know, one like we was recruited, highly recruited. You know what I'm saying? So, nah, folks ain't going to know who I am. I got to make a name for myself. So, uh, it was still, a, it's still, you know what I'm saying, adversity I had to face. You know what I'm saying? Politics I had to deal with. Um, but all in all, I was able to, my by my senior year, I was able to play at my position. All, you know what I'm saying? Starting my position all season. And I knew that, I am just like, I figured that out sophomore year that NFL was going to be in the picture. So, Mm. Once uh, just the end of my career came, just last game, November 2017, I was like, damn, well, what are we finna do? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what's next, bro? Like, we have identified and embodied the student, athlete, and football player to the T for so mm. long. And now that is no longer the case. Yeah, yeah. Damn, well, what, you know what, what a day, huh? What like, a day I'm, to think what about. What I'm going to do next, who I am, what it is I want to do, who I aspire to be. What else I'm good at? I don't like. I don't. I have no clue. But I'm like, I gotta start somewhere. Mm. I gotta start somewhere. So, Chancellor, let me ask you: What was next? What happened after that uh, game? So, I just immediately started applying for jobs, and mm. it was mainly corporate positions. I was applying for sales, marketing, management, that whole nine. Now, mind you, I don't have any like work experience in these fields, but hey, I'm a college football player. Yeah. I have, <laughs> Skill sets and traits that set me apart from vast majority of the candidates. Mm -hmm. You just show me the ropes. I'm going to take it and run with it. So mm -hmm. that's what all I was depending on. That's all I was relying on. I ain't got no experience, but hey, man, I got a lot of great skill sets for real, for real. Um, so any job that I felt like I could do, I just applied for it. And mm -hmm. I'm landing interviews. I'm talking about getting flown out, put up in hotels, getting cars rented out to me the whole night. Mm -hmm. But I cannot seem to land a position. And they kept hitting me with the same BS, BS excuse. Oh, you lack the experience. Oh, we're going to go with somebody with a little bit more experience. But it's like, I knew that when I submitted the resume. Right. It was clear, clear, clear as day. They yeah. ain't got no experience. But you liked everything else. You mm. know what I'm saying? I don't know what didn't happen since I done got in front of your face with the shifted paradigm then. But right, for right. sure, for sure, I ain't take it, I ain't take it too personal just because I've been in this position before. And I was trying to find a college to play football at. I got right, told right. no a million times before I finally got a yes. So I knew just to stay down, trust the process. Something going to shake. Um, but I done did this. Uh, been eight months. I done graduated. I'm back home. I'm like, bro, what is going on? I done did everything, quote, unquote, the textbook way. Yeah. And I still got short in them stick. You know what I'm saying? But I know if I quit, I'll never be shit. So that's not even an option. Right. Uh, everybody has told me no. It's been no for a reason. Clearly, corporate, corporate might not be for you. <laughs> we oh. might need to reapproach this job certain thing because we've been at this <laughs> month and we got close, but we ain't been able to seal the deal. So we might need to reapproach this job searching thing. Let's what are you good at doing? Talking to people, working with people. That sounds like social work. So I just typed in social work in the search engine, hit enter. Um, going through the filters. And it wasn't like I was applying for jobs in just Atlanta and Florida. No, I'm crawling right, right. jobs across the nation. You know what I'm right. saying? For real. So once I read, I'm like, let me social work. That just sound like something more geared towards me. Hit <laughs> filters. I noticed a button I never noticed before. And it said uh, international. I'm saying, Why have I not thought to look outside the U.S. for opportunities? Yeah. I'm shooting myself in the foot. Let's go see what's going on around the globe. Oh, teach English to kids in China. Man, what a sound lit. <laughs> That's <laughs> Always been interested in China. Read mm -hmm. the job description. I feel like I can do this. What are the requirements? Clean background, uh, native English speaker, bachelor degree, don't matter what your degree is in. Right. Oh, man, how do I apply? 
Two <laughs> clicks of a button. Boom, boom. I go on by my search, not thinking nothing of it. Uh, hear back from the recruiter. We set up an interview, do the interview. A few more days pass. Recruiter reaches back out to me. It's like, uh, yeah, but we want to move forward with you as a candidate. I'm like, oh, sh- snap. But it's the first job to tell me yes after all this time. I was trialing the right. area. First job to tell me yes on the other side of the world. Hey, it's no if, ands, or buts about it. This is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what we're going to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If it, China want to give me a shot, I bet. Let's see it. Let's do it. Um, yeah. So that's how I ended up out there. And I entered China on October 10, 2018. So we trained and um, looked for an apartment for, for the first two weeks. So they had us up in a hotel. Then after that, we moved into our apartment on the east side of Beijing. Um, and then we started working at our schools. And about a month and a half in, like once our money, our money started rolling, hey, boy, it was smooth selling after that. Best <laughs> <laughs> experience so- I ever had by far. No cap. Let, let me ask you, you didn't speak Chinese, did you? No, nah, no. Nah, I started, like, I, before I entered, so I got hired in, like, July. So it gave me a few months before it was time for me to actually go to China. So I'm like, let me go ahead and start learning some of this language right. as much as I can, at least so I can move and groove. I ain't trying to be out there and don't know nothing. I thought that was just foolish. Right, right, <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? How American is that? So I was like, let me take it upon myself to start learning a little bit of language. I knew just enough to move and groove as far as having a full in-depth conversation like we have it right now. It's not happening, no. <laughs> but I knew just enough to work my one for sure. So you started looking up Mandarin, right? That's the most common language? Yeah, yeah, yeah. China. I was uh, learning through this app called Mango. So Mango. I don't know if y'all heard of it. It's a great app. You know what I'm saying? You got a, li- a public library card. That library number, you can access the app for free. And they got mm. languages of all kind. And the, the learning style is different. They don't teach you traditionally. Uh, they start off with the basics and then we advance you. Now nah, you can start off learning full, complete sentences. They're gonna break down each sentence, what each word means, all mm-hmm. of that. You know what I'm saying? And then as you go through the lesson, that's when they start bringing in the most basic stuff. So it's like, damn, we learning pretty, you know what I'm saying, pretty advanced. At wow. first, and then we get into some some easier, and so it's like it's, it's a different it's it's a different type of vibe. I enjoyed it. Cool. So um, it's mango, huh? Yeah, yeah mango. Yeah, like yeah. fruit. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's dope so, so you did a month and a half. Things start to jive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so lit. Taking us on this ride you're going on. Yeah, it's lit. You know what I'm saying? Exploring Beijing. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm in a completely mm. different world, essentially. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Everything is drastically different. But it's still life as we know it. People get up, go to work, kids go to school, that whole nine. But you know what I'm saying? Right. It's still drastically different. Um, but exploring Beijing, the food was absolutely phenomenal. Authentic mm. Chinese food was like no other. It, right. It's fire. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No cap. Yeah. Um, working with the kids, that was lit. That was what I was out there to do. So I'm new. I already knew if I don't enjoy the job, that's gonna dictate the entire experience. But Oof, it was lit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Kids are kids, no matter where you go on in yeah. the world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Kids are gonna be kids. And I was working with kids as young as three years old, all the way up to 14, but mainly mm. working elementary school age range. So we was lit in class every day. Just you know what I'm saying? Most of our lessons were games just to keep them engaged. So I was able to match their energy like no other. So we had a blast every time. Mm. Um, nice. And then, of course, the people of China, you know what I'm saying? Extremely nice. Best customer yeah. service I've ever received, you know what I'm saying? Very, very friendly. Um, I ain't never really experienced any malicious or ill will intent from anybody out there. Like, it was all vibes. Um, mm. so that was another positive thing, too. And, of course, meeting other foreigners, it's like at all places in the world we could have met. But we met in China. 
It ain't yeah. like you just hop on a flight and just come over here. Like, nah, it's protocols and steps to get over here. So it's just more of a, you have more of a deep reference, you know what I'm saying, for mm. other foreigners, especially other people of color, you know what I'm saying, here in Atlanta or in Atlanta, I see black people all the time. Right. Uh, you know what I'm saying, won't even bat an eye at them. But the fact that I'm in China, seeing another person of color, that's like, man, mm. You know what I'm saying? Diamond does it. So it's like, whoa, what's going on, family? You good? Hey, what's so <laughs> yeah. much more of a deep reference we have for each other. Like, we embracing each other, all of that. So yeah, it, it was a lit experience. The nightlife, man, the nightlife in Beijing, lit. Really? <laughs> man, oh, you a foreigner? You know a party promoter? Oh, I bet. So you, whoever else you come with, hey, we're going to get y'all in for free. We're going to give y'all a whole section for free, and we're bringing unlimited bottles for free. Brown, white, champagne, whatever. You what? know what I'm saying? All we want to do is just use your likeness to promote, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, look, we got foreigners coming party with us. Come club with us at club so-and-so. Ooh, ooh, ooh. So I'm like, hey, by all means, come on. It's like you're a celebrity. Huh. <laughs> for real, for real. You know huh. what I'm saying? So, yeah, China was lit. And then on April 4th, 2019, <laughs> that's when things took a turn. 2019. <laughs> yes, yeah, sir. So I'm in my apartment. Did you say yeah. April 4th? Mm-hmm. Yesterday. yesterday. Look at that. <laughs> Anniversary day. Yeah. Um, so uh, we, I'm finna get ready to head to a team builder event that my company is hosting. They host team builder events every month, and mm. we're just gonna be customizing our own Chinese fans. I'm like, oh, that's gonna be dope. You know what I'm saying? So before I go, I'm like, I'm a pregame. So I'm in the apartment. I'm drinking some Chinese wine coolers, smoking some cannabis at my little silver pipe. I get done, get dressed, make sure I got everything I need before I walk out the door, and then I hear a knock. And guests aren't unfamiliar, so I'm curious to see who it is. Look through the people, and there's the three officers from the Beijing police. Mm. Actually, I got spooked, six in my stomach, like, oh, boy, what they doing here? Right. <laughs> so I scramble, put everything up, open the door. They walk in, and he's talking to me. The officer in front is talking to me. I have no clue what he's saying. So he pulls out his phone, opens the translator app, and speaks into the app, and shows me the translation. I read it, says, are there any drugs in the house? Like, family, what are you talking about? <laughs> what? You got me confused with somebody else. Passport? Yeah, you might want to see my passport. You know what I'm saying? Let me go grab my documentation. Right. You know, I'm trying to finesse the situation. Right. <laughs> I'm from Atlanta. You live by the finesse, you die by the finesse. So acting like I'm playing fool, like I don't know what he's talking about. So I go grab all my documentation, present it to him like, huh, bro, this is what you need to look at. This is me. This is the type of time I'm on. I don't know what you on. So he sits down. He's looking over my documents. My other two officers are just scoping the place out. Just walk, you know what I'm saying? Just walking around, just looking. They ain't really looking into nothing. They just got Roman eyes. Um, a few minutes pass, another officer enters the apartment and he has something in his hand. I really ain't paying him no mind for real because I'm just trying to think how am I going to get out of this situation? Right. <laughs> so the officer, the new officer, hands the item that he has to the officer that's looking over my documents. And then that officer tells me to pee into the cup. So it was a drug test right there on the spot. Huh. Right then and there, I was like, oh, yeah, it's over with. <laughs> huh. I was like, it's over with. They do the drug test, fail the drug test, of course. And now it is about eight officers in the apartment. I couldn't tell you where these folks came from. Mm. <laughs> but it's about eight of them in the uh, apartment. They ransacking the place. And one officer in particular speaks English fluently. And now he's questioning me about failing the drug test. When's the last time I smoked? Who I get the weed from? If I had any more? Blah, 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 blah. Um, so like I said earlier, you live by the finesse, you die by the finesse. So we going back and forth. Mind you, I'm still high. The moment is big. You know what I'm saying? I'm pissing mm. down my leg yet, still trying to keep my composure. So we going back and forth. Every question this officer poses to me, first thing that comes to my mind, I'm just blurting out. 
I ain't really thinking about it nothing. I'm just speaking. And mm-hmm. it got to the point within the interrogation where I was catching myself in my own lie. So I knew for huh. a fact he was more than likely catching me in the same lie. Oh, but yeah. you live by the finesse. <laughs> you die by the finesse. So once he realized that I wasn't going to give him anything that he could work with, that's when he was like, hey, man, the charade is up. You know what I'm saying? We know he like it's over with, bro. Like, it's dead. So I'm like, all right, for sure. Mm. I died by the finesse this time. I lived to finesse another day. Now I got to hold myself accountable. Right. So I fess up to it, uh, confiscate everything, throw the cuffs on me, escort me out the building, send me down in the police van. And now I'm just curious as to, and we're in disbelief and what just transpired and curious to see how this thing's going to play out. <laughs> you mm. know what I'm saying? Because right. I know it's, it's going to be a roller coaster for sure. Sure. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> we get to one precinct. And it's the typical scene that you see in any TV show or movie when they bring in new arrests. You got the officers on desk duty. So imagine that scene, but the Chinese version. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. I'm the only foreigner in here, only English speaker. So I'm in the, in the corner of the room, sitting down in the chair, handcuffs. You know what I'm saying? I can see everything that's coming in and out the room. All the eyes, well, at least all of the other recent arrests, they all looking at me like, oh, snap, boy. They got a, you know what I'm saying? They got a foreigner yeah. in here. The officers on desk duty, they just doing, they, they paperwork. They really ain't paying no mind. So um, we just sitting there. I'm just sitting there and I'm just reflecting on what didn't transpire. And I remember telling myself to that I don't know how this thing's going to play out, but when it is all said and done, I know I'm going to be good. I'm still going to be me. My spirit's still going to be attacked. My mental mm. still going to be, you know what I'm saying, sane. So, you know what I'm saying? With that being said, take note of every minor detail. Because yeah. this is going to be a great story to tell once you're out of this predicament. Mm. And most importantly, enjoy this high one last time because we don't know what's going to happen to us, boy. Uh, straight up. <laughs> so about 10, 15 minutes pass, they come get me. And then we get back in the van. I don't know where we're going now. Mm. I'm going to find out soon enough. We mm. ride it. 30, 40 minutes pass. We arrive at another precinct. This one's a little bit bigger. It has holding cells in it. So they had me change clothes and throw me in the holding cell by eight other Chinese dudes. And I'm in the holding cell for about 20 minutes before they come get me. And then they take me to the basement of the precinct. And once we get down to the basement, we enter this white room. In the mm. middle of this white room, this is all metal chair that looks like an electric chair. Across no from the chair is a table, regular, like six-foot table with two chairs at it. And you got a camera sitting on top of a tripod capturing the whole room. So huh. they walk me over to the electric chair and they open it. And I'm looking at them. And they're looking at me. I look at the chair. Look back at them, look at the chair again, and look back at them like, y'all really want me to sit down in this type of chair? <laughs> looking at me with a straight face. So I sat down, <laughs> straight up. Right. They like my shins, thighs, waist, chest, and arms all in one place. The only part of my body I could move was my head. So I did my whole, no way. whole interrogation locked into this chair like this here. Oh, my goodness. Um, but by that time, that, came, that was plenty of time to come up with a good story to finesse them with. So I gave them my fabricated story. Um, one officer was asking all the questions. The other officer was transcribing the whole thing. Mm. So after the interrogation, the transcriber brought the transcription over to me to read and review. Mind you, this thing is written in Mandarin, so I have no clue what this thing says. But they say to sign it, I sign it. They say thumbprint, I thumbprint it, and they release me from the chair. We mm. go upstairs, take my uh, mug shot, do my handprint, and they throw me back in the holding cell. And now I'm just curious. Well, I'm just reflecting on the entire day from the apartment to the interrogation, what I could have did better at the apartment, what I could have right. said better during the interrogation. It's coming up with different scenarios. You're reflecting, right? Yeah, but regardless with me failing that drug test, I was going to end up in the same predicament. So I was mm. damned either way. It really didn't matter. 
but now my high is starting to come down finally. So I'm fading in and out of consciousness. And um, every time I wake up, the sun is fading more. It's a window in the cell. So every time I look at the uh, window in the cell, the sun is fading more and more into mm. still darkness. So hours have passed. I know that. And then they come get me from the holding cell, walk me to the lobby, bring me my, my basket clothes, tell me to get dressed. So I'm like, oh, 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 I bet. See, look, this is what happens when you work with these folks. Your energy's good. You're compliant. Things work out in your favor. So I done got dressed. I'm waiting for the next set of orders. I'm like, all right, what's happening? What are we finna do? They had me follow them through a door that's behind the front desk in the lobby. We entered through that door, and now we're in a hallway. At the end of the hallway, it's a small room crowded with officers. So I'm following the CEO to this room. As I enter the room, I can only guess this is some form of evidence room. Just got to see evidence bags everywhere. No sense of organization, no sense of structure. It's just hoarded. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But in the uh, center of the room is a table. And in the middle of the table is everything that's confiscated from my apartment. So officer sits down at the table and he weighs up the weed right there in front of me. Now, this is where things get interesting in the book because as a reader, you're curious to know how much does he actually have on him, one. Two, when have you ever heard or saw law enforcement wait, whatever they just confiscated from you, right right there in front of you? I thought that was very weird. Uh, um, and then three, as you can tell, I'm not really receiving no information. I am learning as I go. And that is the premise of the entire story. It's a complete mm. until one day they just finally call your name and go. I'm here to tell you I did 14 days. As you read the book, but you have no clue how long you're going to be in this situation. Mm. Um, at least you don't learn from the officer, right. you know what I'm saying, how this process works. But I received a lot of signs and messages from my ancestors, my higher powers, my guardian angels, whatever you want to refer to them as. Right, right. You know how long I've been in this predicament, how the situation will play out. So this is the very first sign I received, and the only live in action sign I received. The other signs I received occurred in my dreams. So he weighs the weed up, and it told us that to be one point four grams. Now, I got this whiteboard behind me, but there ain't no markers. Oh, yeah. But imagine I drew one. Point four on this mark on this board, and right. I just erase the point, the decimal. What number would you see? Fourteen, of course. Hence the title of the book. Now, did I catch that initially? Absolutely not. Went clean over my head. You know what I'm saying? But that was the very first sign I did receive. Um, so they put everything on paper, <laughs> had me read it. Yet I can't because it's all written in Mandarin. But they say to sign it. <laughs> I sign it. They say thumbprint it. I thumbprint it, and we get back in the van. I look at the uh, radio. Uh, the clock is one o'clock in the morning. These folks arrested me at like 11 a.m. I'm like, mm. okay, I'd have been in custody all day. I don't work with y'all. There's no way they're not taking me home by now. So we ride and we ride. At least that's what you're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we ride it. 50 minutes pass, and then we arrive at a facility detailed with tall walls and barbed wire. And I was like, okay, yeah, we're just getting started. <laughs> mm. So we enter the facility, go to the nurse's office, do a quick physical. Take me to another room to put on, uh, give me a change to my official uh, prison uniform. And then they gave me a plastic bowl and a plastic spoon. Took me upstairs to the second floor to where the men are housed, and we get to cell 209. Mind you, it's like four o'clock in the morning at this point, so people are asleep. The CO opens the door. Instantly, my psyche is thrown by the setup of the cell. Mm. The setup of the cell ain't nothing but a big rectangle. I say 15 yards in length, 10 yards in width. Um, and you take one big step into the cell, you have a little walkway, and then that's where the beds start. The beds ain't number wooden bunks, and they start from there and stretch all the way to the back of the cell. Mm -hmm. On top of the wooden bunks, I describe it as it looks like a slumber party. That's where all the you know what I'm saying all the inmates laying on the on the bunks sleeping, but they all huddled up together. I'm like it look crazy, but even crazier, 
across from across from the uh, slumber party, standing up against the wall, are two Chinese inmates, wide awake, watching them sleep. So what? We make eye contact. They're awake. We make eye contact. The last thing them folks expected to see come walk through this door was a brother with locks. <laughs> the yeah. last thing I expected to see was two Chinese folks watching other Chinese folks sleep. So we just got this awkward moment of eye contact, trying to feel each other out, trying to make sense of what's going on. So mm. I do a head count. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, including me, it's 15 of us in this cell. I count the beds. Nine in total. Well, it makes sense why it looks like a slumber party then. Mm. Um, to the left is the bathroom. It's his own separate room, but all the walls are made of glass, so everybody in the cell can see inside. Mm. You got a regular squat toilet, um, a, a, a regular sink, a squat toilet, so pretty much a hole in the ground you got to squat over to use. Right. Shower ain't nothing but a water hose and the shower head duct tape together. <laughs> you got oh black gold coating the walls, gnats and insects and stuff flying around. So it's mm. not the most sanitary place to say the least. No. So I approach the slumber party. I'm trying to find a spot to lie down. And uh, one of the inmates that's taking watch, he wakes two people up to make room for me, and they do. And they have me sit my bowl and my spoon in the cubbies underneath the beds. And I lay down between these two Chinese dudes, my hands on my chest like this here. And I'm staring at the bright light on the ceiling. Oh and that's the reality fully kicked in. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Reality fully kicked in. Like, hey, boy, we in here for real, for real. Uh, we don't know how long we're going to be in here. We don't know how mm. this process works. Nobody knows we're in here. We more more than likely the only English speaker in the cell right now, too. Right. right. So it ain't really looking too good. But, hey, we got to hold ourselves accountable. We Mm. made a choice that that we knew the repercussions from. So now that shit has hit the fan, hey, we ain't got nobody to place the blame or point the finger at but us. So, you know what I'm saying? We got to take this to the chin however it's going to play out. Um, Now, with that being said, what moving forward, what needs to take place to speed this process up? Well, people got to realize you in here. Well, you were supposed to meet colleagues and friends at that event today, but you didn't show up. I'm mm. sure they called you. You didn't answer. Is that a red flag? Mm, not really. Now, when you don't show up for work Saturday and Sunday, our busiest days of the week, all hell is breaking loose because now they got to find somebody to cover all your classes last minute. Mm. And one of those colleagues we was going to meet at that event, me and her work at the same school. And she from Atlanta, too. So she already going to know. All right, he ain't show up to the event. Now he ain't showing up for work. Red flag, something's wrong. So, uh, all right, something's that's wrong one phase sure. of it. All right, the other phase, I had a girlfriend at the time. Mm. When we talked regularly, I said, when I don't respond to her messages, I'll break a loose. So I'm like, <laughs> I know it's Friday morning now. I'm at the least sit through the weekend before I become missing on people's radar. So hopefully, mm. Monday, the search for me will begin then. Um, so, but for now, let's take it step by step. And you know what I'm right. saying? We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Mm. Um, but yeah, man, locked up 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 15 men to one cell, nine wooden beds, three soups a day. Uh, literally, all I had was that one plastic bowl and that one plastic spoon for 14 days. Wow. You said soup? Yep, three soups a day. Some form of soup, vegetable soup, tofu soup, some form of soup. Mm. And so bread. How, how was the soup? Hit or miss. Some days it was straight. Some days it was just hot ass water with vegetables in it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so it hit a miss, you know what I mean? But you you know what what I love about you is the fact that you accepted the circumstance and you said, you know, I'm here now. Mm-hmm. This is what it is. Facts. How am I gonna deal with it? Facts. Because you know, so many people don't know how to deal with it, how to live in the moment if you will because right. you had no choice you had no choice i mean a lot of people will will start blaming others and then you said you know what it is my fault i'm here 
because oh, I did smoke that weed. I did, you know, drink that those the, that liquor, and somehow you were in private when you smoked it. Mm-hmm. But somebody somebody said, "Hey, something's going on in that apartment." So somebody did call the police. Yeah, I, I hear that a lot. People always ask me, like, what possessed the police to come to you? Because this wasn't the first time they showed up to the apartment randomly, especially mm-hmm. that year. They showed up in January of 2019 um, to uh, check our visas to make sure we were who we said we were. The mm-hmm. second time was, like, in February to remind us about some safety hazards. So when they showed up the third time, I'm like, okay, this must be, like, a routine thing that they do. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? With every foreign. And I have heard it with um, uh, my other colleagues. Police just pulling up on them randomly, just, you know what I'm saying, for whatever right. reason. So... I really, that's why I'm like, that third time, I'm like, okay, ain't no telling what they want this time. So let me just scramble, put everything up. I didn't know they was blitzing me like that. They sent the blitz package. I wasn't prepared for it. That wasn't in my game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. So you were in there 14 days. Mm. Meanwhile, you didn't know if it was going to be 14 days or 14 years. No, me. Facts. Right. How on earth? Was it such a short vacation for you? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I have no clue. It's just I feel like because it was uh, it's ironic because the f- first three days only for the only English began to sell, and then on day four, chapter four, I moved to a whole new cell, and in that new cell, I'm amongst other foreign three other foreigners. One is mm-hmm. a Russian dude from Russia, so he only speaks Russian and Mandarin, so I can't even really talk to him. Mm-hmm. The other foreigner is a uh, um, Chinese American from California. So, he, of course, he speaks Mandarin and English, so I could tap in with him. And the mm-hmm. third foreigner was a Brazilian from Brazil. So of course, he speaks Portuguese, Mandarin, and as well English. So, uh, them the two I could really talk to. And now I can start connecting dots and learn how this process works, how the jail operates, all of that. Right. And ironically enough, everybody in the cell knows all their information to the fullest detail. From what their yeah. charges are specifically, the time they're supposed to serve, all of that. Me, on the other hand, nothing. I have no clue uh, what's going on. So it's just like, but I still ain't really take it too personally. I'm like, shit, bro, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, they, yeah. like, they ain't tell you this. They ain't show you that. I'm like, nah, nah. <laughs> but like, I'm just happy that I finally got somebody to talk to. You know what I'm saying? Right. Usually yeah. loves company. That's when that, that quote comes into play. Um, yeah. So I was just grateful to have somebody to talk to and, you know what I'm saying, make uh shed more light on the situation. You know what I'm saying? Make it a little bit more of uh, an enjoyable process. Um, but still, I had no clue how long I was going to be there until one of they just finally called my name. Um, but that's what makes my story what it is at the same mm. time. You know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. You know, not knowing that, that'll drive people nuts. Oh, for real. For real. Did it, what did it do for you? I mean, at, at first, I can get it. In five days, you don't know anything. And then you find people who do know. Mm-hmm. I mean, didn't it bug you? Like, why do I not know? Uh, I knew it was just part of the. It's part of my process. It's part of my journey. You know what I'm saying? Mm. My situation played out the way that it did for a exact reason. And with that being said, I'm the only one that didn't know nothing. Out of all the other foreigners I was locked up with, I ended up doing the shortest amount of time. Mm. <laughs> and in comparison to the rest of them, I did a short amount of time, and I ain't know a damn thing. You know what I'm saying? Um. But I just, you know what I'm saying? I just trust the process. You know what I'm saying? Things are beyond my control. Yeah. I can yeah. always, the only thing I can control as of right now is me and my thought That's process true. and how I'm choosing to look at and handle, go about this situation. 
I can't control when I'm going to get out of here. I can't control how, nah, I, how this process where I ain't got no control over that. So I ain't no point of me trying to devote too much energy to that and just drive myself crazy. Nah, yeah. hey, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. For yeah. sure. Let, let me share. Let me share with you. I haven't. I, I want to come back and I want to ask you about day fourteen. But sure. let me share an event that I, I have coming up in New York, and then we'll come back and we're going to talk about day fourteen, pivotal day. Oh me. Heroes Rising Apex is the highly anticipated business event of the year. This gathering of industry leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, and visionaries promises to be a game-changing experience that will inspire, educate, and provide networking opportunities. Get ready to immerse yourself in a world of innovation, strategy, and collaboration as we embark on an unforgettable journey of learning, growth, and success. Join us in New York on July 14th through the 16th. Go to heroesrisingapex.com for tickets. Well, we're hoping you come to New York, my it's friend. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, commercial was too hard. <laughs> that was dope. That That's was cool, big. right? Yeah. So let, let's go back. Day 14. Yeah. You woke up. What Do you remember what time? Did you even know Ooh. the time? Talk through us, to us through that day. Yeah. And did you know day 14 was going to be your release date or you had no clue? Um, so to give more of a, a background on day 14, so on day like five or six, um, we sleep, you know what I'm saying? And I ha I'm having a dream. And in a dream, the guards come by the cell way before it's time for everybody, before they wake up the whole jail. Every day we wake up at 6.30. So they come, mm. they came before 6.30 open the cell door and they calling my name and one of the other foreigners to go. I'm just like, what was going on? He's like, but they tell us it's time to go. I'm like, Oh, I bet. So we grab our stuff. We walk out, we get on the elevator. I'm just like, bro, what's going on? How you supposed to get out Friday? And you know what I'm saying? I don't know what that happened for them to just call my name. Come on today. But Hey, we here, we gone. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So we happy. We get on the elevator. We ride the elevator down, elevator shuts down. Turn, lights go out. I'm like, but there's no way this is happening, right? Now. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are the odds? We finna get ready to go in the elevator. It breaks down, mm. and the, uh, the guard that's in the elevator with us, he just starts shouting. I'm like, bro, what is he talking about? And the foreigner was like, hey, bro, he's telling us to wake up. Wake up. And soon as that's when I started to wake up, I started to come too. And I, I sat up in the uh, on the bunks. I was like, damn, is that a sign? Like we getting up out of here soon for sure. So I went and told told us, I'm like, hey, bro, I just had this dream. Woo -woo -woo. Me and you got out. They came and got us early in the morning. Woo -woo -woo. And but then the elevator shut down. And but it was just a dream. But I'm like, I feel like we getting out of here, bro. I feel All like right. we're getting out of here soon. So we fast forward to day 14. That foreigner that that was in my dream that was supposed to get out with me, he been he's long gone by this point. Oh, he's gone now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's right. long gone by this point. So it's just me and the, uh, and the Brazilian dude. So we just uh, we we sleep. I hear the I hear the cell door opening. It's way before it's time <laughs> for them to wake up everybody in the jail. Mm. I hear the cell door opening, and CO just yelling something. I'm still just you know what I'm saying, just trying to sleep. He yelling it, he yelling it, and then the Brazilian's like, "Chance, hey, buddy, calling you, bro." 
So I get up, I'm, I wake up, like, bro, what's up? What y'all want? And he's steady yelling. I'm like, bro, I don't know what you talking about. Like, bro, what? Like, <laughs> like what? What? What do you want? Right. And uh, he's like, hey, bro, he's telling you to grab your bowl. It's time for you to go. And I just pause, and I flash back to that dream I had. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, about, I'm in such disbelief with just how in tuned I've been with my subconscious throughout this whole fourteen day process. Mm-hmm. I've never been more connected to you. Know what I'm saying my subconscious like this. So for me to have all these visions and these signs and see them play out in real life, I was like, man, this is crazy. I feel like that's so Raven, <laughs> the Raven show. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Have a vision, like, bro. I was just sitting there, just in disbelief, mm-hmm. and like. I see your steady call, like, bro, come on. I'm like, oh, snap. I don't, like, bro, let, they, let me get on up out of here. I'm just just so blown away. Right. So I just kept saying, say my fellows, uh, goodbyes to everybody. And um, to take me down to the lobby, uh, uh, take me back down to the lobby, get my basket of clothes, have me get dressed, take me to the front desk in the lobby, have me sign small paperwork I can't read. I'm <laughs> print. <So, Yeah>. <laughs> and we get in the van and we riding. We get to the street my apartment complex is on. But before we get to my complex, they stop. And the driver sends the other officer inside of McDonald's to go grab them some breakfast. So I wait in the car while they go fetch them some breakfast. <laughs> he came back with the breakfast. That's when we went inside the complex and went up to the apartment and had me pack up the rest of my stuff and then took me straight to the airport while I was deported from the country. Mm. They didn't even give you a chance to go anywhere, but took you to the airport. Yeah, yeah, straight to the airport. You know what I'm saying? All right. within, it's all within six hours of me being released. Like, they got me up out of there. No cap. <laughs> so you didn't even have to buy a ticket? Oh, well, no, no, no. They, um, so on day seven, that's when we met with immigration. And we had to tell him somebody that could buy us a plane ticket for whenever our time mm. was, you know what I'm saying? Our time was up. So... I, told, I gave my mom's information, and he got in contact with her. So she bought the plane ticket. Um, mm. So that's how that process worked. Gotcha, gotcha. Very interesting that they could have kept you there. Yeah. As long sure. as they wanted. Not for real. <laughs> Not for real. So you were fortunate that they say, hey, you know what? We didn't like what you were doing. Yeah. But we don't want to keep you and keep feeding you, even if it's only three bowls of soup. <laughs> <laughs> so they said, okay, the best option is to just get them out of here. Yeah. And I think they did you a huge favor because did that truly reflect upon your actions to realize that, wow, I'm somewhere different. I'm somewhere which is not necessarily home. I thought it was going to be home for a while, but my actions have caused this situation to come to fruition. Thanks for sure. What were your thoughts on the airplane going back? Man, happy to be out. Of course. Oh yeah. yeah. (laughs) I can only imagine. Happy to be, you said, have my freedom again. And, um, man, <laughs> I got I flew back with Delta, so they uh had unlimited drinks. I got toe up on that flight back, boy. No cap. First flight back from China to Seattle, I was drunker than Cooter Brown. No cap. Um, yeah. but just really just living in the moment, just grateful for real, for real. You know what I'm saying? Enjoying it. Um, I ain't watching no TV, nothing like that. I was just listening to music. That was my favorite thing mm-hmm. to do, is listen to music. So I'm just vibing. Um, 
listen to all the different music I got on my library and just curious how, you know what I'm saying, what I'm going to do moving forward, for real, for real. You know what I'm saying? Like, we out of here, we had made it through that. Um, that's probably the, the lowest we'll ever be. <laughs> you know what I'm uh-huh. saying? So it's no place to go but up from here. Um, uh-huh. But I still have no clue what it is I'm going to do moving forward. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to have to take it step by step. And so, um, we're, yeah, that's really it. It's just like how I'm going to bounce back from this, for real, for real. You know what I'm saying? So fast forward us through how you did bounce back and what you're currently doing now, because I know that you are coaching football. You're inspiring young adults to move forward. And you've written a book, which, by the way, I need a signed copy. You know me. (laughs) So so, and and then, of course, you know, I'm going to want you to come to New York as well. uh, Oh, me. July. Oh, me. It'll be awesome. And but but the thing is. When you fast forward, a lot of your actions also have made you realize that life is short. And sometimes, even though you think you're in control, you're not. Thanks. Right? Thanks. But, but you do have some control on me. On you. And you said it. You're the only person that you were there by yourself, if you will, even though there were other people in the room locked up with you. You are accountable to you. Facts. Right? right? Facts. So fast forward to what propelled you to do what you're doing today. Um, just really is like the only difference between – I'm pretty much back to square one all over again, just like when football came to end. Like, damn, bro, mm. what's, gonna do? what's next? You know what I'm saying? But the only difference between at that point in time versus when football ended, I had experience. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Beforehand, football, I ain't had no experience. Now, I I ain't just got any type of experience. My, I got experience working on the other side of the world. I'm like, but this is going to open up opportunities. This is going to open up doors for you. Right. Legit. You know what I'm saying? There's not too many people that can sit here and say they done did what you done did. And ain't even got to bring up the 14 days. You know what I'm saying? Just let right. them know what you was over there doing prior to that. Um, and that's going, that's going, I'm like, that's going to open up doors. So, I was like, I was already in the education field. So I'm like, I might as well just keep my foot on that gas. So I'm still in education. I'm tutoring kids at elementary school in math, English, and writing. And um, fell into coaching football that year. Um, and that was just, <laughs> that was funny how that just came to play. I was just, uh, one of my little homies, he played, uh, he was playing football at the high school I graduated from. He was like, hey, bro. You should come up, uh, come up to the school tomorrow and watch us work out. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I bet. So I went up there, watched them. And once they got into position groups, I went down there with the DBs. And I'm just watching and giving – just giving a few pointers here and there. I ain't even trying to step on nobody's toe. Now I'm just giving a few pointers here and there. I pull them to the side, like just being slick with it. And the DB coach was like, hey, bro, you trying to coach? I'm like, what's happening, bro? I ain't got nothing to lose. I got, I'm got. i open for all any and all opportunities. Right, so right. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I fell into coaching. Um I started writing 14 Days in Beijing that summer. One of my good friends that I grew up with, DeMarco Reddins, he was a traditionally published author before we graduated high school in 2014. Really? And, yeah. And he, he was like, hey, bro, you, you ain't thought about writing a book about the experience? And I was like, well, that's a good idea. I don't even know where to start, but that's a great idea. He took it even <laughs> further, went to the note section of my phone, left me a little outline. And I just started filling in the outline. With me doing that, I called the flow for how I wanted to tell the story. So I moved it from the notes of my phone to a Google Doc so I could type it up. Um, four months later, the story was written and then just spent additional um, six months just editing it, and it, you know what I'm saying, ready for publishing. Mm. And so on April 4th, 2019, that's when, the day I got arrested. 
April 4th, 2020, the first anniversary date, um, I released the very first version of 14 Days in Beijing, and I was ranked the number one new bestseller in three different genres. On April 4th, 2021, I released another version of 14 Days in Beijing, and I was ranked the number one new bestseller in two different genres. <laughs> so wow. it was just like, you know what I'm saying? Like, nice, bring everything nice. full circle, for real, for real. And really So where do, we, where do we find your book, by the way? Oh, yeah. So um, it's available on Amazon as well as uh, my website, ChancellorKJackson.com. If you want an autograph copy, visit my website. That way I'll be able to Do me to a favor. It. Do me a favor, Chancellor. Put your, uh, in the private chat, put your yeah. website. I'm going to put it across the screen so people can wow. go in and pick up a signed copy from your book. That'd be awesome. Sure. And for my so, non-readers out there, I got you. The audio book of 14 Days in Beijing is available on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Anchor, and I'm narrating it. It's a vibe. So you, know, so you got to do is get your popcorn ready. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Get the popcorn ready. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So when we think about writing, you had no idea that you could create this thing, that you could make it so people can and I just put it across. If you look, it's coming across, right? ChancellorKJackson.com, right? Yeah. Chancellor spelled with two L's, by the way, people. Just make sure you <laughs> get it right, yeah? So we go to your website. We look at your book. We understand that it was a journey in time, right? It was a mark on your timeline. Facts. Right? But it was not a big mark. It was a short mark because you had a ton of marks before you got that one. And you've had a ton of marks after that. And you still have more marks to put on your timeline. And when I make, when I talk about lines or, or, or marks, everything in our life, the way I see it, is a stage. So that was a stage of your life, a stage that you did not take it for negative. Thanks. You said, yes, I'm going to tell people to advance my career that I did something positive in China. You didn't have to tell them about the 14 days, right? <laughs> but now you had a friend of yours who is an accomplished author who said to you, you have a great story. And I think that your story tells everyone, not only of your experience, but how the choices we make can reflect on that timeline, right? Tell me. Yeah. Tell so, me. Yeah. So pick up the book, ChancellorAjackson.com. <laughs> I, I love your story, but you know what I, I love more about it is that you did not let it hinder your growth. Thanks. Right? You learned from it. And, and it's clear to you. I'm sure that when you were talking to me about day one, day four, day five, you were reliving it. Because I can see in your face, you, you were reliving it. And that's a story that you will always relive when you see something, when you 
even maybe even when you eat Chinese soup. Those are memories that will be ingrained in who you are. But I, I want to thank you for having the courage of even speaking about it. Yeah, writing the book is, is cool and all. Um, telling somebody your story. And people are going to be like, I can't believe it. I can't. But now they can read it. Now, and then you have an audio book, which is really cool, by your own words. But to inspire someone through your story, I think that's big, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? Iron shop is iron, for real, for real. Each one's yeah. each one. Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite part about writing? Um, I guess just the therapeutic aspect of it, especially um, telling a story that was traumatic for mm. you. You know what I'm saying? Um, it was extremely therapeutic. And you couldn't tell, I wasn't really big on writing <laughs> before all of this, for real, for real. Right. Um, I don't even remember, I really don't even remember having to write like that, for real, for real, in grade school. Now, when I got to college, completely different situation. You know what I'm saying? Polar opposite. So it was a rude awakening. So I had to do a lot of writing just as far as, you know what I'm saying, writing papers and stuff. Um, but that's really the only experience I had when it came to writing. It wasn't truly just expressive and, you know what I'm saying, uh, just me just putting my putting myself on paper. I was like, nah, I got to follow this assignment that's due by Tuesday at midnight. You know what I'm saying? So it was all on that type of time. So um, to be right now and, you know what I'm saying, encouraging and coaching people through the writing and publishing process. And it's funny, every time I, you know what I'm saying, talking to people about writing, they automatically – think of like some school assignment mm. they think it's like i'm the professor and i done gave them this assignment that's due i'm but like nah but it's not the case at all but this is truly whatever you want it to be you know what i'm yeah, saying yeah. Um, absolutely so, so tell your truth you know what i'm saying and you never know like you said what your story can do for somebody else you know what i'm saying yeah. they might be going through the same situation already went through it or it's finna go through it little do they know you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But even and that might not none of those three might be the case. There's still something that they can take away from it when it's all said and done. Yeah. Well, on screen, if you can see my good friend Dana Abbott says howdy. He What's going on, fam? He is an amazing individual. He is known as the ultimate warrior. For me, he's an ultimate warrior. He went to Japan to train in swordsmanship. Oh wow. And uh he is uh the 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 most advanced warrior in our country. And, uh, you know, he's a high level samurai. Right? Oh, shit. American oh. samurai. American, <laughs> American samurai. Oh. So he's here listening to your story. And, you know, it, it, it may uh, trigger uh, events for people mm. when they know that they've been to a different country, a different, um, learning a different culture, understanding different concepts and ideas of what other people think, how they act, how they do, all the different stuff that, that happens in, in life as well. When we think about your experience in life, what you've gone through, you, you have other books that are probably available to you. What do you think would happen if you said, let me write a book based on 
you're not making it to the NFL hmm. based on you the 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 trials and tribulations of your dream that did not come to fruition did you ever even think wow that kind of would be a book for people to say i have the same dream what if by reading chancellor's book I can change something or I can do something or his teachings will help me understand something. Wow. So uh, I'm just giving you ideas on, on your no, next facts. book. <laughs> That's, a good one, though. That's a good one. It's me yeah. football players out there, especially high school football players. Mm -hmm. so I got the same aspirations and all yeah. this select few. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? So you could probably write a book because just the way you're talking to me about your, your experience, I can only imagine your experience going through when you were 12 and 13, your brother was 12 and you were 13, what that went through, what, and then the process you went to, to actually make it. It's a huge deal. The fact that you played college football because of your actions. So yeah. once again, your actions put you somewhere. Facts. Your actions put you in jail for 14 days. But their actions send you back home. And you're grateful yeah. for that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? So I am I'm very I'm very grateful that you took the time and I know that you took the time this week because you guys probably are on spring break, right? Because yeah. you you are you are teaching. What what grade levels are you teaching now? Uh, just third and fifth, primarily. Okay. Them the grade levels are struggling the most. So, <laughs> mm, gotcha, gotcha. So do me a favor, keep inspiring our youth to become more, to understand that their actions now, even in third grade or fifth grade, can depend on where they go in life facts right? facts yeah. no without a doubt without a doubt and it's a blessing to be working with the youth man because kids are so are sponges they're so impressionable mm -hmm. um they're just learning for real for real constantly constantly learning and to be uh play a role in just their development you know what i'm saying character and spirit and all of that is 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 it's a blessing for show for show and yeah. i got the best of both worlds work with the elementary school kids on the front end and then Work with teenagers on the back end with football. So, you know what I'm saying? The ones that are close, closest to entering the world, real world, especially, you know what I'm saying, the seniors. Hey, boy, they say, I be telling them, you know what I'm saying? Hey, the football going to come to the end for a lot of y'all, you know what I'm saying, after mm -hmm. this next season. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? Just make sure you got, man, plan B, C, you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. set in place. But even then, because I ain't had my plan B and C set up, it's still going to be a process. It's still going to be a journey. Um mm -hmm. But you know what I'm saying? Just be open and willing to all opportunity. Oh, yeah. Always um, open. You never know when opportunity does come knocking, right? On me. Real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Real. So, listen, thank you so much. Really appreciate you being here. Do me a favor. We're going to say goodbye to everybody. Stick around for a minute. I want to talk to you afterwards. Um, any, any, any advice that you can give anybody who wants to become a, even a football coach or any type of coach? Um, 
Yeah, if you uh, especially when I don't know how you know this process works in uh, other states at all. I'm sure it's different processes, but as far as Georgia, you don't have to be a certified teacher in the school system to coach any high school sport. You just need to take a class and um, become a community coach. And once you do that, then you can coach whatever sport you want to, or whatever school. After that, then you just got to find a school to coach at. So it's very simple as that. But that's state of Georgia. Now, I don't know what's the process like for Florida. You know what I'm saying? All the other states. But um, you just have to look into it and ask other coaches that you probably know um, just what's that process like. You know what I'm saying? To be become a part of the staff. Um, and before we close out, man, oh, I just want to leave you. everybody with this message. And the message is from Nipsey Hussle. For y'all that don't know who Nipsey Hussle was, Nipsey Hussle, you can Google. He's a philanthropist, mogul philosopher well known for his music and his clothing line um, from South Central LA rolling 60s crib and the message goes long-winded running through this life like it was mine never settling but setting every goal high 1,000 purpose on the path to my own self-destruction or success but what is a mistake without the lesson you see the best teacher life is your own experience and none of us know who we are until we fail they say every person is defined by their reaction to any given situation. Well, who would you want to define you? Someone else or yourself? Whatever you choose to do, homie, get your heart to it and stay strong. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know what happened. But yeah, that's it though. Y'all go find me. Um, just Google me. Google Chancellor K. Jackson. Everything you need will pop up. For my social media accounts, my website. Also, I have two other books. You Love, You Learn, and Real Love Never Dies. Pretty much a man's first step towards gaining emotional intelligence. So uh, yeah, y'all go tap in with those. All available on Amazon as well as my website, ChancellorKJackson.com. And uh, yeah, man, any aspiring authors out there, visit my website, sign up for a free consultation, and we can tap in and see if we're a good fit for each other. And you know what I'm saying? We can go from there and you know what I'm saying? bring that dream into reality. So yeah, man, y'all get, get with me and appreciate all y'all. Everybody stayed in tuned for the whole interview. Big shout out to y'all. You, you the real MVP for sure. I don't know where Cuz went, <laughs> but
What's going on, baby? The choice is mine. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes, sir. I don't know what happened to my my computer. Flipped out. Well, it's all good. I know I was <laughs> gonna leave, but it's like you gotta wait till the uh, recordings finish upload. I'm like, all right, let me not leave then. <laughs> <I'm gonna laughs> <me> back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So listen, thank you so much. I, I think we got everything in, in uh, which is good. I'm also going to create a audio podcast from it. Okay, okay, for sure. So this is live. This was live. Um, and I will send you a, um, when, once it goes, uh, once I edit it for the audio, mm -hmm. I'll let you know about that too. So that way you yeah. can get hit many times. Sure. Um, and I definitely would love to have you come to New York. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! It definitely sounds interesting for sure. You know let me uh, in in the private chat. Let me put that that link there if you want to click on it. For sure, tap in with that. Um, I have a lot of authors coming, so okay. you know if you want to, we have different ways that you can definitely connect there. Uh, I'm going to give you the link. Uh, what's going on here? Private chat. Yeah, that'd be dope. I ain't never. I've been to New York for football, but we we had games, so I ain't really get to experience. You know what I'm saying? New York for real, for real. Mm, gotcha. So there's the link. I bet. Click on it. I, I'd love to. Um, if you ever considered like maybe even doing public speaking, we can talk more about that. Yeah, for um, sure. That's definitely one of my goals to. You know what I'm saying? Become a public speaker, and you know. What well, saying? I I. I coach people on public speaking and I even do it with kids. So, okay. it's hard. so if you're interested, we'll talk further. Um, you have my, my cell number, right? Uh, Let me give it to you. Yeah. And then just shoot, shoot me a text. I will have yours too. Sure. You ready? Yeah. It's five, one, six, two, four, two. Yeah. Eight, seven, three, two. I do got your number. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, click on the link for Heroes Rising. See how you want to come uh, to the event. And then I can talk to you about maybe getting you on stage as well. Okay, cool. You know, I am. We are 
for certain speakers, we are charging um, $9.97, but I, I'm going to see if maybe I can waive it for you. Well, okay. If you if you come to the event, uh, I can probably waive it. Okay. For sure. Yeah. And uh, y'all, we got to get our own uh, like hotel and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm also looking to uh, be able to give you discounts and stuff that way. Okay, bet, 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 bet. You know, so we can we can do stuff like that. Yeah, so it's going to be July uh, 14th through the 16th. I bet. You know, and then that way, um, and then uh, I can possibly put you on the stage as well. And then, but what I want you to start doing until that time, uh-huh. once you know you're coming, let me know for sure. And then start working on what speech you may want to consider. You can even talk about your book. You can do whatever that that is. But once you know for 100%, then I can set you up for sure. know, to, to put you as a speaker. But I want you to obviously practice if you ever want my help before then. On me. <laughs> it would be, be my pleasure. A thousand you reps know? on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll help you out. You know? Yeah, yes. So y'all got three different, you got the general, VIP, and the platinum. Yeah. Yeah. If you do the platinum, then I definitely um then you you as if I bring you in as a speaker, you're gonna get like two thousand dollars worth of of advertising to you know, you're gonna be able to you get to come to the speaker event, uh, you get to come to stuff that other people even even platinum people don't get to what the speakers get. Word. Yeah. So if you do, if you're able to do that one, do that one. Uh, use code MYHERO300 and it saves you $300. So instead of $1297, it's $997. You said MYHERO300? Yeah. You put that in, in there and it'll, it'll take $300 off. And then if if we put you in as a speaker, you also get a speaker dinner. You get um, you get a web page. You get part of the we have a thing called Hoover, and where you get to interact with everybody who's coming. I'm looking to have like four to six hundred people come. You okay. get to interact with every one of them, and they all have your contact information. You can post videos on there. You can do a lot. You get to do that like two months before the event, and you get to do it up to three months after the event. Okay, cool. So you can connect with people, and, and the the way to really get your book out there is to connect with people. And then the other thing is, obviously, we would want you to bring a bunch of books so that you can sign them for people. You know, <laughs> so, so yeah, come come down, man. I you know, and then let me know once you do it because then I can I can start working with you on on uh, getting on stage as well. For sure. You know? Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, it's going to be lit. (laughs) It is. It is. And then, um, you know, if if you need, like I said, if if you want me to train you on on public speaking and stuff like that, I'll do a couple of complimentary ones. I won't charge you anything for it. That's love, fam. Yeah, man. Listen, you, you you have a great message to put out there, so let's do it. Oh yeah, I got to. I got to. This is why it was one of my uh visions, one of my goals on my vision board. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Let me help you make it happen. All right. All right, fam. All right, buddy. Thank you so much for sticking Appreciate around. You. I'm glad we talked. 
Oh, and, yeah. Uh, let, once, like, like I said, once you uh, sign up for it, shoot me a text. Okay, cool. And then we can start scheduling some sessions for you. And then right. once once we get you a little bit more geared up, then I'm going to have you do a little commercial. Oh, and shit. then with the commercial, <laughs> I'm going to put you on the website. Oh, okay, for the for the Heroes Rising Apex. Oh, like cool? Yes, sir. All right. All right, my friend. We'll talk All soon, right. okay? Yes, sir. All right. Take Peace. care. You got it. Bye-bye.